Meet Stacy. Stacy's on the hunt for a new pair of trendy glasses. Call me picky, but I just can't find the one. Luckily for Stacy, Walmart Vision has virtual try-on. Now she can try on hundreds of frames virtually, then upload her prescription and get new glasses delivered right to her door. Really? <laughs> yeah, really. Well, the hunt just took a turn for the better. Buy your next pair of glasses with virtual try-on from Walmart. Welcome to Easy Eye Care. Welcome to your Walmart. Restrictions apply. See walmart.com for details. Initiate. Broadcasting from the Rock and Roll Bomb Shelter. I'm ready. I want to rock! Surrounded by radioactive biscuits and the world-famous Rock Eyes. Located 40 feet beneath the radio station, it's the Big Fat American Rock Show. With your host, the Doc of Rock, the Professor, everyone's favorite mad music magician, crazy uncle, and your best friend in the whole wide world, Zach Martin. You can follow the Big Fat American Rock Show on Facebook.com slash Big Fat American. Please follow the page. Twitter at Zach Martin Rock. Same goes for IG. Download the New HD Radio and New HD LA app available at Apple as well as Google Play. It syncs up to your Apple CarPlay. So you can take us wherever you want to go and check out the NewHDRadio.com website for more information about what we've got going on here at New HD. We're trying to provide opportunities for people living on the spectrum and with other disabilities. Today's podcast is a great one, a classic featuring the legendary Paul Rogers of Bad Company, right here on the Big Fat American Podcast. Hello, Zach. Hey, Paul, how's it going? Very well, man, very well. Long time no speak. I know, but you know something I think about you often, in fact, I have the royal sessions that uh, Cynthia sent me. Oh, great. I gave it to a bunch of my friends. We all dig it. My, My wife gets aggravated, though. I think I'm Paul Rogers when I sing, but I'm not. You know, I try to do my best Paul Rogers when I sing, like, Born Under a Bad Sign, and I just can't pull it off like you can. Oh, well, thanks, mate. I appreciate that. (laughs) I do. Yeah, it was a fantastic... It was a fantastic session for me. All of the sessions were lovely. And um, I just walked in the studio and and pretty much called it each day. So, okay, let's try, um, you know, uh, Bad Sign or whatever it was. And we just spend a moment or two with keys and arrangements and we went straight into it it was lovely yeah it was a live recording in memphis pretty much right live on the studio conditions if you like so i like to capture the you know i'm singing with the band on the floor and the the brass section you know everybody's in the room it's just amazing they're boothed off of course so that you've got like they're looking through like the old-fashioned way of doing things in the Uh old days and uh, i was just so funky and and just you know the place just the spirit became alive it was great well you you grow up in in britain you come over to the united states and later on you go to vancouver wherever you're living now but at, at one point you get i guess a hold of this american blues music yeah right is that is that how basically you get your start well yeah you know i mean i i started out in bands in my hometown in middlesbrough and we listened to a lot of what was in the charts. We listened to the Beatles, we listened to the Stones, but also a lot of uh, Motown. And, and uh, also, and then I discovered Otis Redding. Um, they started to play down in the valley and shake and things like that at the clubs I used to go to. And I, I thought, wow, this guy is amazing. The voice and the sound of everything. It's got, um, it's, it's not slick, you know, which is fine. It's can be, you know, the, the Motown was kind of smooth and, and very, very organized. Um, and that was great in its way, but this was kind of, oh, I don't know. It had a kind of street edge to it that I really loved. And I still do to this day. 
Well, when you were down in Memphis, did you rediscover any of that Southern type of music? It, it's a bit different than what you would find in the Northeast. And I only know about it because I travel a lot for NASCAR races. Yeah. So, so I hear a lot of the locals and I'll go to the barbecue joints and I'll, I'll go to the roadhouses and I'll, and I'll hear those different guys. You experience any of that? Well, we were mostly in the studio. We spent some time down on Beale Street and listened to some of the music there. And, and uh, you know, but um, um, I, I mean, in Middlesbrough, it was a, it was a different world, really. And I, in fact, I got to I got to I've got to say, music probably saved my sanity when I left. Uh, when I left Middlesbrough, I, I, w- I left to find I had three things in mind. Now that I look back, I had to, you know to find peace of mind, to make music, um, to 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 survive, to find peace of mind, and to make music doing it. You know, and that's what that's what I did, and that's what I'm still doing, and I still have a deep love for for the music that you know showed me the way. Actually. Mm-hmm. Did you ever listen to any of your parents' music? Were your parents involved? Because <laughs> that's a good question. Like, uh, a lot of kids are influenced by what their parents would listen to. Me, if you yeah. want to know the truth, my grandfather played drums with the Sammy K band. Right. So, and he played the piano and stuff like that. So I grew up listening to Red Sails and the Sunset and Harbor Lights and all of those different big band songs. Yeah. Other kids would think, what's wrong with you? But I thought to myself, these are, the Beatles covered Red Sails and the Sunset on some of their bootlegs. So, I mean... Did you ever listen to any of your parents' music? Yeah, well, I think it's all relevant, you know, because, I mean, we pass the torch from one generation to the next. So I would be listening to probably... I mean, they would they would have the radio on, and, and you'd hear Frank Sinatra right. and Dean Martin and, and all those guys, and they were great in their way. I just think the next generation always looks for something something different. But on reflection, when I look back at Andy Williams, for instance, I mean, you know, people will say, Andy, are you kidding me? But, I mean, he actually was a fantastic, really accomplished singer and really technically. If you listen to, um, I think it's called Maria, Oh my God! It's absolutely amazing uh, vocal performance. So yeah, I mean, I, I I think I probably did soak it up um, unconsciously. I, I remember as a kid, and I would be what well, as a teenager. Let's just put it that way. And I'd be listening to my Led Zeppelin and Bad Company and the Who and the Rolling Stones and the Pink Floyd and all of that stuff. And where I grew up, if you weren't a rocker, you just got pummeled. So you had to keep a lot of that stuff to to yourself. What you're, you know what you would listen to around your parents, whether it was Nat, like I liked, Nat yeah. King Cole. Come on. How about Nat King well, Cole? Well, Nat King Cole, yeah. yeah. No doubt about it. Yeah, you gotta, you got to hand it to Nat. I mean, it, what a beautiful, smooth, amazing... I mean, what a gentleman, too. You know, what a great person, really. I think I was lucky in a way because I, I didn't really... There wasn't really a pressure because it was all new to us. You know, we were listening. There we were, these little kids up in, in the Northeast going to school and... I mean, before before in the music classes, we'd be you know the the the, the most modern our music teacher would get was the swingle singers. Uh-huh. Now I've got nothing against the swingle singers per se, but it just <laughs> wasn't my cup of tea, you know. So I didn't really connect with the music that they delivered at school, for instance, you know. So you had to go out of bounds to find uh, music that 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 reached you, you know. And so I joined the band, formed the band, if you like, and, and we went to the local club and listened to all the music. We were, you know, probably, we were underage to get into the clubs, and because we were in a band, they kind of like turned a blind eye, you know, the bouncers. Mm-hmm. I mean, we'd go there and listen to all this soul and blues music, and it, I went straight from that, really. <laughs> if you were uh, going to start over 
say you're a youngster and you're getting into music and, and they have their influences these days, whether it's, I don't know, Lady Gaga, Katy Perry, you yeah. name it. Some of the country stuff, I really like a lot of the new country I'm hearing. I've noticed that the models sort of switch when you're, you're guys, you're trying really hard. You get your record contract and you take off from there and you go on tour and stuff. Now the record industry is not what it used to be. I don't think you really need a label to be successful. Do you? Well, you know what I found is that what the, the, the most important thing you need from a label is distribution. They do have the contacts to distribute your album in, in, in a massive way. Uh, but having said that, so does the Internet. You know, it's because very much in a state of flux now, it's hard for me to, to um, figure out really what's going on because it's changing so much all the time. But I, I mean, I, I stick to what I know best really is playing live, and I love to do that. But I don't overdo it. I do about 20 shows a year, and it keeps it fresh for myself and the guys in the band and, um, and for the fans too. But I think for anyone just starting out, the thing to do really actually is to get your live thing, if you like, your right. live show together mm -hmm. and take it from there, which, wherever that takes you. I have an amazing band. I play songs I wrote for Bad Company, for Free and The Firm, things like Shooting Star, Rock and Roll Fantasy, Feel Like Making Love, Satisfaction Guaranteed, Mr. Big. And we have a really, I mean, we have a ball when we play. It's a great band, Howard Lease on guitar and Rick Fedick on drums and Todd Ronning on bass. And we just have a ball. We just rock it out, you know? As long as you're having fun, that's what counts the most. I think so. I mean, as I said, you know, my, my whole thing was to find peace of mind, make music, survive. I'm doing that, and I'm, uh, I did that, and I'm still, still doing it as I sit here now and look out at this beautiful lake where I live in the Okanagan, and, yeah. and it's, it's, it's a great life. I have to brag about you a little bit, okay? <laughs> I really appreciate the fact that you took time with me to go meet those firemen. It was uh, for after 9-11, we were doing yeah. those charity concerts. You took time with me to go over to the firehouse, have lunch yeah. with the guys. What I like about you is you're a regular guy. People probably uh, uh, think, oh, they look at you as some sort of rock royalty and the, this rock star, and they, they'd want to live vicariously through you. I want to sing like you, but you're really a good guy, and, and your wife is great, too. Cynthia, well, I, I, mean, I love you, the both Zach. of you. That's yep. that was great. I mean, when you when you were going over there and you invited me over there, and we we went. I was I was kind of it was it was it was beyond moving, because you see all these pictures of uh, of all the firemen um, framed, and it's a full wall, man. It's a lot of people, and it just blows your mind. Um, a lot has been said about that that whole day. I think I'm, I'm glad to see the city is healing though now. Hey. It kind of is and it kind of isn't. I think that it, it you never fully heal from something like that. And the farther you get away from ground zero, uh, the less attached you are to it. Unless you went and visited or like you, you were in the firehouse. And that's what I tell other people. I'm like, he is a great guy. And such a great guy. Listen, to this day, even when you have new product, you make sure that I get it. Or when you're in town, any any police or firemen want to come to the show, you know, you always reach out, and I, and I really do appreciate that. So I have to well, thank you well, for that. Well, Zach, thank you, my friend. You're a great guy yourself. Thank you, man. <laughs> That's the kind of stuff that most people are, are, are never going to hear on the radio or in interviews, but it's important to, to let people yeah. know that stuff. I'm looking at all of these different groups, and I, I was talking to Jimmy Page, and he's doing these remasters. 
Right. And I, I kind of got annoyed. I said, Jimmy, how many times are you going to do this? I just paid 99 bucks for the complete Led Zeppelin catalog and MP3 through iTunes. And now you're doing it all over again. And he goes, well, does it sound good? I go, yeah, it sounds good, but that, that, it's the money issue. You understand? And he just like sloughed it off. And then I thought about it. It's kind of cool that they're doing all of this remastering and then they put it out on vinyl. We'll talk about Bad Company in a second because yeah. you guys did that too. But here's what really blows my mind. I don't know about you, but I am not organized like that. If you ask me, where's that show we did 10 years ago when oh, you guys played live? Yeah. You played live on the air, okay, yeah. during the Scott Meany show. I don't know where that tape is. I know. Who, yeah. who is keeping track of this stuff? Well, that's the one thing I, I mean. I learned from from the Zeps actually, and Jimmy in particular, is that you know they really took care of their of their music, and they really made sure that they ended up in control of it. Because uh, you know, when you're when you're young and you're growing up, you don't really think about those things. You just do it. You want to be successful, and you'll do whatever it takes to get there. But they were clever enough to to maintain control of of their masters, to look after them, and to be able to be in this position now, to to remaster and and uh, and put them out. Yeah, Jimmy's pretty darned amazing, actually. Yeah, I, I would say so. Anybody who's that, I'm I'm just amazed. I was amazed most about the organization that it took to to be able to do that. And yeah, and obviously the patience, because who wants to really go back and dig out all the tapes, and I, I think he used different sorts of masters. Probably wasn't the original multi-track itself. Probably was some other masters. Not really sure how that all transpired, but... With... Yeah, well, it's a tricky one, you know, because the, the a lot of them, they tell me the masters will deteriorate. The 24-track right. masters will deteriorate over years, depending on how they're stored in that. But I don't know how true that is. I think you can actually go back to the tape and, and still get great uh, quality from it. They, um, I mean, with our re-releases, the record company were very amazing, actually, in, in putting forward the suggestion um, for all these outtakes, which I personally was a little bit reticent about when they suggested, you know, and I said, well, send me, let me listen. And um, it, was, it, was, uh, it was quite interesting, actually, especially when we discovered a couple of things that had not been released before. And I don't, mm. I, who knows why we didn't release them at the time. It, you know, maybe it was um, we had too many tracks uh, and we had to bump something off, so something got bumped. But I'd, I'd listen, I'd go, wow, what is this? Oh, this is interesting. And there's a couple of tracks like that, See the Sunlight and All Night Long. And I was quite... Uh, I was quite impressed, really, with what the record company, the way they they treated the album. They came off the, from the vinyl. Did you ever listen to any of the tapes and go, damn, man, we got that down? Well, sometimes. Sometimes you also listen and go, ooh, dodgy lyrics or something like that, you know, yeah. or this out of the other. But the thing about the, the idea of this thing is to sort of, I mean, people love the behind the scenes. I do myself, actually. You know, you like to, uh, how did this come about? You know, what happened backstage? How, and, and it's just a little bit of that, you know, right. uh, before you get the polished final result. It's funny how that's what we like nowadays is the inside scoop, isn't it? And it does give you a bit of that. I like the stories that are told from the artist's perspective as opposed to a guy like me trying to retell a story and getting it wrong. I find that that's a problem. And then when I listen to interviews with artists or any of the old historical documents, it's like the interviewer takes over. I can't take that. Ask the question, let the guy answer. From a, from a musician's point of view, we, we rehearse it, we polish it, we arrange it, we record it, then we re-record it, then we do this and that and that, until we finally get what we think is a polished 
perfect version and we put it out and mm. either people like it or they don't but there is a, the story behind that you know the different arrangements the different keys uh the different takes on different days and the conversations in between you know how did you get there that's um that's interesting i think is there any material coming out soon or in the future that you plan it has all of those kind of things well that's what this that's what these two albums sort of are the um the re-release of bad core the first album that we're recorded in Headley Grange that day oh, at wow. that time I mean and then um, uh, Straight Shooter the, the next album so the first one I think they're going through each um, each of the albums slowly but surely and they've released the first two so far so right. we'll see how we go with the others and, um, yeah well, it's quite interesting did they have the conversations on them you know yeah. they have some but I must admit I had to edit a couple of things <laughs> yeah <laughs> some of the language oh that's great <laughs> <laughs> You know, uh, you know, it's it's very, you know, can can be a little little strong. It's but any, it's it does, you know. Anyway, there it is. It's it's if you like that kind of thing, there it is. Okay, that's cool. Do you like the idea that a lot of these groups are reissuing on vinyl? I find that fascinating. I love. I mean, I must admit, I'm an old fogey as far as finals go. I love it. You know, I walked into a store the other day, and I heard a record. It was a Jeff Beck record, actually. And I said, "Wow, that's great!" But there's something else about it, and I realized they were playing a vinyl, and and that's what I had missed all these years. And I'd, you move away because you think, well. You know, everyone's gone digital, so I guess that's what we'll do, and that's the future. But then you take that half a step back and listen to vinyl again. You go, wow, yeah, it's got that um, full range of sound from the low end to the top, and even the crackle is acceptable, you know. <laughs> yeah, I do like the crackle, and you're right about that. And there's, it sounds brighter to me when I listen on vinyl as opposed to the digital, and, and yeah. I kind of like the pops and the clicks. I, I'm also impressed with myself when I have an album that's 30 years old that... I kept in good condition and yeah. still plays. You know, yeah. I'm like, oh, check me out. I but, know, isn't but, it beautiful? I mean, yeah, but it's it's starting to become few and far between. Well, well, I will say this about the new vinyl: it's 180 80 grain, so it's a lot more durable than some of the. You know, look, when we were kids or when we were younger, going to the record store, quality of the album or the vinyl wasn't always the forefront of the mind. So sometimes you got a second, third generation print. Of, yeah. of that album, and they're kind of flimsy, so they would wear out and warp. But now I'm finding myself, all right, what what can I waste my money on? I'm 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 spending on racing cars and this that and the other thing. Now I'm rediscovering all the vinyl, so yeah. I, I'm I'm going to get the bad company stuff. I haven't gotten around to everything that I want to get, but uh, it's a work in progress. Well, you know, I remember an interesting story actually that Peter Grant told me. Peter Grant, the manager of Led Zeppelin, he said he walked around the record company, the printing uh, plant, and watched the records being, you know, printed and produced. And they dip it in an, a an acid as they as they finish it, a certain cleaning sort of fluid thing, you know. And he was walking around, and he sees this other room, and he says, well, what's in there? He said, oh, that's where we do the classical music. And he said, oh, can I take a look? And he looked at him, he looked in there, and they were dipping it in a, 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 a very special acid, you know, a, a, a liquid fluid that, that cleansed the, the vinyl. And he said, what's the difference between... He said, oh, well, this is very special because this is the classical music. I mean, for that rock and roll, we can just dip it in that. And Peter, this is typical of Peter, said, oh, that's what we want then. And uh, got it dipped in the classical uh, cleansing fluid as it ended its process. And I thought, wow, that's Peter Grand, all right, you know.
Hey, that is really cool. That's yeah. something I've never heard before. You learn yeah. something new every day. Anything else that Paul Rogers wants to let the rest of the world know? Anything, well, uh, any I goodies? Just, you know, I'm I'm happy. I'm making music. I, I look forward to seeing everybody at the show. Um, I'm I'm writing songs, and uh, we're going to make an announcement uh, for next year. Special announcements, which I'm I'm told I have to keep mum about. Just okay, now. keep mum. It's okay. Yeah. I don't I don't want to break any rules or regulations. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, yeah, it's all going great and, and fabulous. Well, thank you very much for your time. I really do appreciate it. And tell everybody in your family I said hello. And I when, certainly will, Zach. When, thank when you, you so much, man. Uh, thanks, thanks for uh, helping us out and uh, being part of the show. I really do appreciate it. Always here. Thank right. you. Thanks. God bless. God bless you. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. New HD is a unique media platform giving a means of expression to millions of individuals living on the autistic spectrum as well as other additional needs. Talent meets opportunity on New HD, where the neurodivergent community is given a voice in an environment adapted to their needs. For more information, follow us on Twitter at New HD Radio. Follow BFA on Facebook at Big Fat America. Zach Martin on Twitter at Zach Martin Rocks. And Zach Martin on Instagram. Wait, Zach is on Instagram? I can guarantee he has no clue how to use that. See all the interviews and videos at ZachMartinRocks.com.